You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. And what's interesting is he did not make the top 75 players of all time. Isn't that crazy? All right, guys, while you're checking in, I'm going to go ahead and get my introduction out of the way. Be sure to continue to type in the comments where you're checking in from so I know where you're at. Um, If you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. Hey, good morning. All my books are available on Amazon. Check them out if you get some time. If you've read any of my books, go back to Amazon. Leave me a quick review. I also have a podcast. The name of my podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. I'm recording the latest episode live in front of a studio audience. (laughs) If you want to be notified every time I go live on Instagram, go to my profile, turn notifications on. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, maybe you've been enjoying it, pause the podcast if you're in a safe spot and leave me a quick review. Leave me a little blurb too. I read those. It's very encouraging. I'm also on YouTube. Um, If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button if you want to subscribe. If you want to be notified every time I upload a new video, hit the bell button and give me a thumbs up. Um, What else? I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4. And we see no list of qualifications. We see no list of authority. So we came up with this position as a position and a title because of one person. And his name was Ignatius of Antioch. Around 180, he took this word, pastor, created a title and a position, put people in charge. Then it kind of snowballed into what it is today. But if we go back to the Bible, that's nowhere to be found. There's no top-down authority on this side of the cross. The only comprehensive section of scripture where we see our body of Christ, the gatherings, is in 1 Corinthians 11 through 14. That's it. The word pastor is not even in what we have named the pastoral letters. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. Our modern church wants them to be pastoral letters so we can superimpose what we want to define as a pastor onto the Bible. But we got to let the Bible dictate what we believe, not push our beliefs onto scripture. All right. What else? Uh, I don't know everything. I'm a regular person just like you. Um, Here's what I do know. I know Jesus, and that's really all you need to know. (laughs) So once you know Jesus, you're good to go. From then on out, you can mature, learn, and grow. And that's what it's all about. All right. Now, if you want to contact me, go to my website. Don't message me on social media. Those go go to spam. If you go to my website, you can go over to the contact page. Shoot me a message. I'll be glad to interact with you there. While you're on my website, be sure to check it out. I got tons of free resources. Check out the topics page. On the topics page, I have categorized everything I've written into individual topics. You can even search that page. If you're looking for a particular Bible passage or subject or topic or anything that's on your mind, I've probably written about it. Go to the topics page and search it there. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my free daily newsletter You'll get a devotional in your inbox early every morning. Just go to the free newsletter tab. All right. So let's get to today's walk talk. Is the Bible alive and active? So where am I coming up with this title? You know, a lot of people say the Bible is alive and active. Okay. This is a scripture. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12, it doesn't say the Bible is alive and active. (laughs) It says the word is alive and active. Now, (laughs) 
I'm going to be gentle today because when I first learned this, it was just like fireworks going off in my brain. And I started to see everything in the canon of scripture in the proper view. Now, from the beginning, I want to say this. The Bible is God's divinely inspired scripture. It is where we go to get doctrine. It is where we go to find out how everything was created. It is where we go to find out about the old covenant and then the rebellion of Israel and then God doing everything he could get them to do to come back to obey the covenant that they agreed to obey. And he did this through the prophets. <laughs> okay. And then we see hundreds of years and then we got the gospels. Okay. We got four different accounts by four different individuals about the life of Jesus. And then we got the book of Acts, which is recorded acts of the early church. Okay, it is a history book of recorded actions. Okay, and then we have all the epistles, and then we have Revelation. All 66 books belong in the canon of Scripture. Okay, so let's, let's just get that out of the way. In no way, shape, or form am I saying we don't need to pay any attention to the Bible. The Bible is where we go to get our doctrine. Okay, <laughs> but when was the Bible written? Was it written during the time Hebrews 4.12 was written? Which Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword or two-edged sword, depending on your translation. Able to penetrate and divide soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. Now, if you look at that right there, that is dividing spirit, soul, and body. All three parts. Okay. <laughs> Able to judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God, the Bible can do that. Now, I'm going to use that little twang a little bit today because I grew up in that particular flavor of Christianity, that brand. <laughs> so people referred to the Bible, the actual physical book in their hand. You can't see me if you're listening to the podcast in the future, but I'm holding up my hand and I'm shaking it like I got the Bible in my hand. I got the Bible in my hand, the word of God. The Bible is alive and active. It is able to judge you. It is able to penetrate. Okay? The Bible. So let's talk about that today. Now, when we go to <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, what year was this written? The book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. It is one of the 66 books in the Bible. There are 66 books in the Bible. Okay? One of those is Hebrews. Now, the Hebrew letter was written about 63, 64 AD, right about that time. All right. When was the Bible compiled? When was it canonized? Canonized means final. This is it. This is what it is. It cannot be changed. When was it canonized? About 400 AD, give or take. So you got Hebrews... And people want to go to Hebrews and say, the word of God is talking about the Bible. But yet the Bible wasn't canonized until 350 years later or so. So how can Hebrews chapter four be defining that passage as the Bible? It can't. The Bible never refers to itself as the word. 
So what do we make of the words, the word? <laughs> Let's talk about that today. This is going to make so much sense. And sadly, because so many pulpits teach the erroneous theology that the Bible is the word, even hearing that, when you first hear that, because it's so ingrained in the conscience of so many believers that this is the word. The Bible is the word. Me saying that the Bible now refers to itself as the word, some people think that I'm saying something's wrong with the Bible or the words in the Bible are incorrect. I'm not. I am simply saying the Bible can't refer to itself as the word because it wasn't put together for hundreds of years after everything happened in the Bible happened. Okay, so when we go to this passage and we see the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to penetrate and divide spirit, soul, and body. It's a, I know it says soul, spirit, joints, and marrow, but that's spirit, soul, and body. <laughs> able to judge the attitudes and thoughts of the heart. If that's not the Bible, what is it? Let's talk about that today. Because the word in Hebrews is not talking about the book of the Bible, the actual book, the canonized, leather-bound, hardcover, however you have it, digital, it's referring to the Greek word logos, L-O-G-O-S. So logos is a full, oh, excuse me, logos is alive and active, not the Bible. What is logos? What's this logos, man? I don't know what this logos is. So when we go to the Bible and we see the words, the word, there are two primary Greek words originally. We got logos, we got logon. So I'm gonna go over both of those different definitions today and give you some examples of where they're at and how to apply them. And then you could just do whatever you want with it. But I just invite you to do this. Go back to the Bible, find each section of the Bible where it says the word, and then determine whether or not it is referring to logos, or Logon. Logos. So Hebrews 4.12 is referring to Logos. There's a, some other spots that are referring to Logon. So the Bible, when you read in the Bible, the word, it is not saying the Bible. Just know that. All right. That's going to, that's going to help you with so many different things. When you read scripture, the Bible doesn't refer to itself as the word. All right. So when we go to Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active. The Greek word is logos. What does logos mean? It means word as actual spoken words or speech, something that you say audibly. Okay. Where else do we see this? <laughs> and if you know this, you know, I'm just reinforcing the stuff that you already know, but this is really neat. We see this in John chapter one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So is this referring to the Bible? In the beginning, before everything was created, physical, was the Bible. The Bible was with God. The Bible was God. No. 
The Greek word is logos. And we see in this instance that the word, the W is capitalized. So it is referring to a person. <laughs> Who's the person? And how do we know it's a person? Because John 1, 2 says he was with God. He. All right. So we got Logos, capital W. God could not actually speak to you saying everything he wanted to say in its fullest until Jesus came in physical form. Now, before Jesus came, Hebrews chapter one tells us in the past, God spoke to God spoke to us through the prophets in the past. God spoke through the prophets. Now that Christ has come, Hebrews chapter one. Okay, this is before Hebrews chapter four, where it says the word of God is alive and active. Hebrews chapter one says, now that Christ has come, he speaks to us through his son. Okay, now. God did not have a physical form until Jesus. So in order for him to logos, <laughs> to be in speech, Christ had to come. So when we look at this Greek word in Hebrews, it is logos. It's the same word used in John chapter one. Okay, it's Jesus. So when we read this, <laughs> the word of God is alive and active. It is able. We can change that. Jesus is alive and active. He is able to, and then you keep going. Now, who is the who is the audience? You know, who is having their attitudes of their heart judged here? Who is who is uh, being uh, their spirit, soul, and body being penetrated through the Word of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ? The unbelieving Hebrew people. These are the people who wanted to continue to go back to the temple to receive forgiveness by way of animal blood. This is the group of unbelievers who continued to hedge their bets at the temple. There's only one sin in the entire book of Hebrews. Unbelief. Therefore, they were going to be judged because they were trampling on the son of God, insulting the spirit of grace and treating the new covenant as unholy. We see this in Hebrews 10, 26 through 29. And of course there were some believers in this group. So the author, when they wrote this letter, they don't know who is a believer or who's not a believer. Nobody can tell, but if the shoe fits. So as the author says, all this scary stuff all throughout this letter, he also attempts to comfort those who have believed at the same time. That's why he says, you have drank in the rain in Hebrews chapter six. And then there are others who refuse to drink in the rain and they want it to go back to the temple. They want it to go back to the stuff that was established by Moses. Okay. That's why the author of Hebrews goes over everything about Judaism. <laughs> you know, the priests, Moses, angels, Melchizedek, the temple, all of the patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith. And he's saying, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this. All right. So is the Bible alive and active? According to Hebrews 4.12, that's not the Bible. That is the word of God, Jesus Christ, Logos. 
The Spirit of Jesus Christ is alive and active today. And he's in here, in me, he's in you, he's in all of us evenly. Okay? Just real quick side note. Many people worship the Bible, the actual physical book. They think it is holy. When, even when I say that, they're, eh, eh, you know, their conscience are seared and it's like, eh, that's wrong, eh, that's wrong. It's holy. It's a holy book. It's, it's a book. And I've, I've said it three or four times already to let you know how important this book is to me, how it is doctrine, how it is right. It is true, but it is a book. It is not the word of God. It is a compilation of 66 books. The word is logos. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Everything God wanted to say to humanity through a human. Okay, so that's logos. Now, there is another instance of the word in scripture. Let's talk about that. So we got the word, which translates into logos in Hebrews 4, John 1. That's the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, there is another word of the word. <laughs> the Greek word is logon, L-O-G-O-N. So logos is L-O-G-O-S. Then we have logon. So where do we see logon? We see logon all throughout scripture. So Jesus even refers to the word in the four gospels. So how could Jesus be referring to the Bible in the four gospels? He can't. The Bible wasn't compiled yet. The Bible wasn't compiled until around 400 AD. So hundreds of years later. So Jesus, when Jesus says the word, it is Logon. It is not the Bible. So what does Logon mean? Logon, now get this, this is super interesting. This is going to help you out. When you see the word, when it's not referring to Logos, which is the spirit of Jesus Christ, it is Logon. Logon means that which is said. I'm going to repeat myself. Logon means that which is said. That which is said. That which is said. We see this in, for example, the, the parable of the sower. Matthew 13. Jesus refers to the word. Those who accept the word. Those who accept that which is said. So how would you accept that which is said? Through believing it. So you accept that which is said, the word, through believing who is saying it. It is not talking about the Bible. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I'm going to go back to my side note here just a minute ago because I started a side note and then I started to overemphasize how important the Bible is to me. But let me get back to my side note real quick. The Bible in itself, the physical item, is not holy. What religion thinks that? I'm sure there's multiple, but the primary one is Islam. Now, when we get into Islam, <laughs> a lot of people think Islam it's just a side spin of, of Christianity, and it's not. Islam, first of all, you want to respect everybody. You never want to attack or belittle or insult.
but you could just speak the truth in love so we can do that when we talk about any other religion. And here's how you get to the bottom of every single religion to determine whether or not it's the truth. Go back to the beginning of it. Go all the way back to the beginning. The reason why Jesus is the truth is because he did everything he did and then he came back to life. And he is the only God because all other gods are fake. But if there was multiple gods, he is the only God who did something for the creation to save the creation. You know, every other religion is working your way to the creator, doing things for the creator. The Bible says God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Okay, so the reason why Christianity is true is because Jesus came back from the dead. If Jesus did not come back from the dead, it would just be just another cult. He did everything he did, paid for the sin of the world, and then proved to everybody that what he said was the truth by coming back to life. That's the beginning of Christianity. Okay, when we go to Islam, when did Islam begin? About 600 years after Jesus, five, 600 years after Jesus. How did it begin? One person had a vision. Okay. Muhammad had a vision. Muhammad had a vision. And he started writing things. And here's an interesting thing. Everything that he wrote, anything new that he wrote, superimposed everything he previously wrote. In other words, he can go back on anything he said as long as he wrote it. So this is created by one person named Muhammad, about 600 AD, from a vision. Now, in Islam, <laughs> Islam will say, oh no, it's the same God, we worship the same God. They even say Jesus was a prophet. They will say he is a Messiah and a prophet. That's where they get you right there because the word Islam means submission or deception. So their entire setup is on submission, deception. Please research Islam, please. I've done so much study on this. Uh, five or six years ago, I studied it for a couple years. There's a great book by Nabil Qureshi. If you're looking to study Islam, read Nabil Qureshi's book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And he wrote a couple other books, which, which are really good, which go over the crusades and everything else that happened early on in Christianity. But Muhammad had a vision, created this religion, basically created an army, wrote things, said Jesus was a prophet. But here's the thing. We cannot trust what Muhammad said about Jesus because he didn't know Jesus. He didn't even live near Jesus. He lived hundreds of years later, thousands of miles away. So we cannot trust what he said about Jesus. But he said Jesus was a prophet and a Messiah. But not the Messiah. There's the thing right there. So that's deceptive. So they'll say, oh no, we say he is a Messiah. Yeah, see, I, I, know, I know what you're doing. There's a woodpecker right there on that phone post. I don't know if you guys heard him or not. I know what you're doing. These are the interactions I've had with people. There, there's lots of good Muslim people out there, but... It is error. It is a cult. Even Muhammad went to his grave, not sure of his own salvation. Imagine it. You are following a cult. 
whether you call it a cult or not, the definition of a cult is one person created it. That one person then dies. That's the definition of a cult. That cult leader dies, not even sure of their own salvation. But it's so ingrained in that community that even saying this, it just stirs up cognitive dissonance. And even though they hear these things and they know these things, they look for more reasons to reinforce the error that they already know. So when I say Muhammad went to his grave, not sure of his own salvation. So how can you be sure of yours? Oh, and then they'll have something to say. (laughs) It was created by one person and he did this on his own and had a vision and then he started writing, you're going to believe, you're going to put the fate of your soul in the words of somebody who had a vision and wrote stuff. (sighs) And you have to do stuff about your sins and you have to work to earn additional stuff in heaven. Come on. But here's the thing when it comes to Islam. They see their book, the actual physical book, as holy. That's the point I want to make. The physical book, the Quran, the Hadith, holy. It is a holy book. So when they hold it, you know, if you're, watch, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see me, but I'm holding my hand towel like I'm holding a book. You have to be careful. You cannot drop it. <laughs> you have to set it down softly. This is a holy book. This is why the most authentic Muslims out there, according to the teachings of Muhammad, do some of the things that they do. I'm not even going to get into that. Okay? But let's go back to what we were saying. This is why so many Christians need to stop seeing the actual physical book of the Bible as holy. This is a created item with divinely inspired words from our creator. How did we know the creator before this was put on, before this was put in a book on pages? (laughs) The same as we always have the spirit. And some people say, well, that's just nebulous. You can just come up with anything you want. That was the temptation of Satan in the garden think about it they wanted the knowledge of good and evil then they would be more like god so a lot of people say you got to have the bible so you know right from wrong no the spirit teaches you right from wrong the holy spirit the bible backs up the spirit within you the spirit doesn't back up the bible which came first The spirit, the spirit is eternal, has no beginning, no end. How did people know the creator before it was put on pen and paper? How did James make it through without being able to quote James? How did Paul live his life without being able to quote Paul? Paul didn't have Romans. Paul didn't have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Paul didn't have 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Paul didn't have what's written in the Bible. How did he know that? The Spirit. How did Jude make it? How did John make it? The Spirit. 
But our, our modern church is so ingrained in the Bible is the word. If you don't have the word, you don't know God. There's no way you can know God. That ultimately is Judaism. And Jesus refers to that. To the unbelieving Pharisees, you search the scripture because you think that in the scriptures you have life, yet you never come to me to have life. We oh, calm down. I haven't been triggered in a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm a little triggered right now. But this Bible worship, I study the Bible. I love the Bible. My books are riddled with Bible verses. But it's not the Word of God, it is a book. The word of God is Logos and Logon. So we talked about Logos. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now we got Logon. Let's get back on track here. Logon is that which is said. So when we see that which is said, we see that all throughout the Gospels. And ultimately, Jesus is referring to that which is said. Are you going to believe that which is said coming from my mouth? Are you going to rightly Divide, and I'm going to get to that over there in 2 Timothy in a minute. Are you going to rightly divide that which is said according to the old covenant, that which is said according to what I am saying? The word in the four gospels is that which is said. It is not the Bible. So go back and read that, and it means that which is said, depending on what you believe about the word, that which is said, Logon, that's going to determine it. Okay, it's not talking about the Bible. But let's also go over to something Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy 2, Paul said, rightly divide the word. Timothy, how many times have you heard that up on stage? I'm going to get up here, I'm going to rightly divide the word. I'm going to rightly divide the word of God. I got my Bible, my sword. Look up that Greek word too. Or in Ephesians chapter 6. The word. What is it? Logon. In 2 Timothy 2. Rightly divide the word, Timothy. Rightly divide that which is said. He's not saying rightly divide the Bible. Think about it. This was written to Timothy. This is one of the 66 books in the Bible. So Timothy couldn't rightly divide the Bible because this was a letter written hundreds of years before the Bible was compiled. So he wasn't saying, hey, Timothy, rightly divide the Bible. He's saying, rightly divide that which is said. The Greek word there is logon. Therefore, Timothy, rightly divide. That's old covenant. That's before the cross. This is new covenant. Tell them about the cross. Divide everything rightly. That which is said before the cross and after the cross. That's it. Don't mix the covenants. Don't take a little bit of yeast and put it in the lump. Don't. Sew a new patch of clothing on old clothes. Don't put new wine in old wineskins. Rightly divide that which is said, Timothy. And then he goes on. Second Timothy 4. Preach the word. Preach the word. So many people get up on stage. I'm going to preach the word. Oh, he's really getting up there. He's preaching the word. I'm getting up there and I'm going to preach the word of God. Preach the word. How many times have I heard it? Hundreds. I got my word. Oh, let's study the word. <laughs> when he said that in 2 Timothy 4, it is that which is said. 
preach that which is said. Okay, so we got Logon, 2 Timothy 2. We got Logon, 2 Timothy 4. Rightly divide that which is said. Preach that which is said. What would you need to believe about that which is said? Jesus! Okay? Jesus! Yes, the Bible is divinely inspired scriptures. But the word scripture simply means writings. Again, <laughs> it's useful. The scriptures are useful. The old covenant scriptures are useful to say, hey, that's according to the law. The new covenant scriptures are useful to say, hey, this is what it's like since Jesus brought in the new covenant from his blood. The mediator of this new covenant, the blood of the new covenant in his name. He sets aside the first so he can establish the second. The old is obsolete. And what is obsolete will be fading away. He said this to the Jews, whoever wrote Hebrews. Where, why would it be fading away? Because it would be fading away in their mind. It's the same thing. that When you hear me say these things, that which is said, or speaking to you in regard to logos, all of this stuff that is obsolete fades away. Because you know the difference in rightly dividing that which is said. This was said according to the Jews. This is said according to all of humanity, the Jew and the Gentile. Now, everybody who has trusted in the Messiah, that's the body of Christ. The unbelieving Jews had been cut off from this tree of life, so to speak. And the Gentiles are now in. The unbelieving Gentiles who did not work and did not do anything according to the law. The Gentiles didn't get grafted into the Jews. The Jews are cut off of this brand new tree. You know, we see this in the book of Romans. So many people want to go to Romans and they're like, no, we're all Jewish now. We're all grafted into the tree of the Jew. No, read that in context. Paul is telling them that we had the covenants. We had the lineage. We had the oracles of God. They did not. You were working according to the law, but not doing it of faith. They were not working, but they're doing everything according to faith. Therefore, they are God's people now, not you, but you Jews, because you were the original. You can fit right back in. All you have to do is trust the Messiah and repent from Judaism. He is the one our scriptures are telling you about. There is now... No Jew, no Gentile. We are a new creation in Christ. A whole new creation. That's what he's talking about there. So, is the Bible alive and active? No. Logos is. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ lives in you lives in me, lives in all of us together equally as a body. And he is ultimately who are we, who we are supposed to allow to live through us. We don't let a book live through us. You know, John talked about this all throughout his letter. When he referred to the word, he was referring to the spirit of Jesus Christ. First John, second John, third John, the word in those 
letters is not referring to the Bible, but the spirit of Jesus Christ. Please read the scriptures based on logos and logon, not seeing the word as the Bible, because it's not. All right. The word is either spirit of Jesus or that which is said. And the Bible is so important. <laughs> I love the Bible. So please don't take it that way. But the Bible is not the word of God. You know, even some of my older books, I've, I've written that way. I called it the word. I called it the word. And there are sometimes when I go back and I'll reread some of those and I'm thinking to myself, should I change this? And I'm just going to leave it because that's how I believed at that time. And as I matured and I learned and I grew, I finally understood the word is not the Bible. The word is in here. He is alive. He is active and he wants to live in you and through you. He does live in you and through you if you've believed. If you haven't believed, today is your day of salvation. So, all right, guys, always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You are righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. And you have the word in you. Let him live out through your actions and attitudes. So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.